1: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Club Cricket Podcast in association with Matt West. I'm Yaz Rana and with me over Skype is the Editor-in-Chief of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly Magazine, Phil Walker. How's it going, Phil?
0: Yeah, not bad, but Yaz, yes, thank you. Thank you for asking. It's a, it's a glorious Saturday morning, which is all the more frustrating that we're stuck in our, in our kitchens, in our front rooms, but such is life. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully we can overturn this uh, sooner rather than later and get back out on the pitch.
1: The landscape has changed somewhat since we last recorded a club cricket episode the start of the club season has definitely been postponed and it's not clear at all when or even if the season will get underway obviously there are far more important things to worry about right now um, and it's obviously a shame for club cricketers who've been waiting all winter for the start of the season but there are potentially quite grave financial consequences for cricket clubs and no no subs potentially no money from behind the bar no opportunities for fundraising events, etc. Early in the week, I spoke to the chairman of TOF CC, Nigel Muirhead, about how a season without cricket could affect his club. They're fortunate to be in a financially stable position um, at the moment, so they should be able to manage to get through the year. Um, but before I play the interview, Phil, you mentioned on the regular weekly show that your club should be OK this season. Do I, I remember that correctly?
0: Well, that's the hope and that's the intention, of course, but... Um, nothing is is known for sure at the moment, and I spoke to my club chairman a few weeks ago, just before I was putting Wisdom Magazine to print, um, and uh, he he was saying to me that the the biggest problem facing facing our club, which is a kind of it's a working class club with a, with a great history um, somewhere in Essex, and it's relied on its its reputation really um, to entice players. It's never really had an enormous amount of private funding, no benefactor or anything like that. It rents its ground from the council. Um, and his biggest concern, his first concern, um, is that losing players, persuading players to come back the year after will be a challenge in itself. But the immediate loss of revenue that comes from uh, adult playing members' subscriptions. Now, our particular club has a, has a fixed subscription policy, and obviously that's going to be a significant hit to the to the club's coffers. There's also, of course, the knock-on effect that the bars will be shut. So, you know, these are the central revenue streams for many clubs. And, and without a bar uh, to work with, there is, there's no money coming in from that side of things either. They've already had to cancel the pre-season um, stag suppers as well. You know, Goot, Graham Gooch was going to be the, the speaker there. Um, and and so various social events that are the lifeblood of of, of any cricket club, but especially mine as well, uh, they've all had to be put put on the put on the side as well. Um, they're hoping that the council can be uh, open to to their requirements, um, but we'll have to wait and see. We are fortunate in one respect because we haven't ordered our playing shirts, and we hadn't um, sorted out our overseas player. In fact, he he had fallen through at the last shout, so. At least we don't have any any concerns on that side of things but but just as a as a county CEO said to me, you know we have to everybody has to rally together um, in the whole the whole cricketing ecosystem you know from from top to bottom in the same way that companies are offering you know mortgage breaks for individuals and credit card payment breaks and this that and the other, that's the way the world's going to have to go over the next few months, and that's that's what cricket. Which is never less than a reflection of the society that it exists in and' going to have to follow the same kind of tack. I believe that the game will survive um, one washed out lost summer. Um, let's just hope and pray that it's it's kept to a minimum this this horror show, and it doesn't feed and, and flood into next season as well.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, a lot of what you said is is what Nigel said as well, and I think there are two, mm. there are two points that I thought were quite interesting. He, he talks about wanting to have direct communication, even if there's not much to say, as much as possible from the top. And also, it's quite encouraging to hear that clubs are already working together quite hard. Here is that interview with Nigel. Obviously, what's happened over the last couple of weeks is, for, 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 for many clubs around the country, has quite drastically changed the financial landscape for the season ahead. Um, I remember speaking to Jimmy... Yeah. Um, and it sounded like you guys were in a pretty strong financial situation. You were talking about your plans for building a pavilion to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the club. How have you guys been affected so far by the prospect of not having any cricket at all this season?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's as much as we may well be uh, reasonably financially secure, as in we've got money in the bank and, and our strategy over the last... Like Certainly, well, I've, I've been chairman since 2011, so I guess our strategy for the last 10 years has been very much to build up a, a what we call a, ra- a rainy day account. Um, the fact that it's now a storm is, is not quite what we well expected, um, but I think that, um, notwithstanding that, you know, we are like every other club uh, in no different position, uh, apart from you know, as I say, the financial reserves we have built up over the last 10 years. Uh, But, you know, all functions cancelled, no prospect of no cricket, uh, no All-Stars, no Dynamos. I mean, we'd had, I think we'd already had 50 50 people sign up for All-Stars. We'd had 25 sign up for Dynamos and we'd only really been pushing it for two weeks. And that was before the development office had been into the school. um, Again, on the basis of what we'd done the previous two years, Um, you know, obviously the bar, is massive, um, and on that basis, it's, you know, it's, it's significant, um, you know, so we would look to probably take over the bar of the next two April through to end of September, which is sort of our second half of the year, probably 50, 60 grand sponsorship, you know, we've got, that's a big source of income for us, and, you know, there's a real risk that, you know, businesses who've traditionally been very helpful and supportive of us won't, you know, won't be able to support us, and, you know, we completely respect that. So I guess that's all of the all of the downside. I guess on the on the more positive side of things, what we are trying to do is how we we can you know keep a presence in the community. So um, involved with you know from a Nutsford perspective, you know trying to support a group around you know vulnerable people in the way that lots of others are around the country. So no different, rare really. But we started a a, and Jimmy may have mentioned this. uh, We're going to do our first. Uh, online quiz next Tuesday Um, and I think uh, and it's free to enter but we're saying they make a donation to um, the the support the vulnerable group uh, in Nutsford Uh, I think we've got 15 teams signed up uh, which is just brilliant you know in terms of uh, the way of doing that Um, and then we're just looking at other things we've got a virtual committee meeting on Monday night uh, and we're then thinking about ways that we could uh, continue to engage with people so we've got a 200 club Um, uh, uh, that people can join 4 quid a month, £1,000 draw in April. Actually, did we promote doing that online and seeing if we can sell a few 200 club numbers ahead of doing the draw? Um, Maybe we we do one uh, twice a year, one in April, one in September. Do we maybe bring that forward to June if there's a lot of interest in it? Um, So, yeah, there's a few ideas that we've got that sort of continue to uh, keep us at the forefront of the community. But, you know, big events we've postponed um, so we have a big summer ball weekend in June. We've we've postponed that. Uh, we had a Graham Swan dinner last week. We've postponed that. Uh, we've got Sir Alistair Cook coming to a big uh, fundraising event at the beginning of October. So fingers crossed, we'll be through all of this by then. Um, but look, we'll just be we we will be ready to go as soon as we get the green light. Um, my personal view is, you know, I think it will be challenged to see uh, much cricket, if any at all.
1: Is there anything that the government has announced over the last couple of weeks? Does that help you in any way financially? I think um, I
2: think the uh, we, we we are now looking at them because the contractors we've got are self-employed, so there may be a way that that could help. Um, so we will explore uh, the th- those avenues. Um, I think the devil will be in some of the detail, but look, I think the government generally is doing a very good job um, under you know unprecedented circumstances. Mm-hmm there will always be one or two people that will fall down a crack or two and um, and it's impossible to cover for every different scenario but um from our perspective if there is an opportunity we will we're looking into it and we'll we'll look to um you know uh, take that on board if we can
1: have you heard anything from your league or the ecb about support for clubs at the moment
2: um we've had some from the league um the ball the balls that we'd ordered they cost us about 1200 quid a year um, they have uh, deferred payment on those, um, uh, as in the ball manufacturer, where they'd already been shipped. Uh, the league are actually covering the cost of that, so we will pick the cost up, um, but it's been deferred. So again, I think that's that's helpful uh, from the Cheshire board. Yeah. Uh, I think the Sky thing's been good, so we we're no longer paying our monthly subscription, so that sort of saves us two hundred and fifty quid a month uh, while there's no live sport. Um, uh, yeah, so they, the, I think they and obviously there's a the communication around cricket being suspended for, until further notice uh, that we've had. Um, mm. So those, the, those are the key things. And I think in terms of the Cheshire board, they're also sort of looking up to the ECB to say what the ECB going to try and do. And, um, you know, I think in this time, even if there was a commitment to have a weekly update that came out at five o'clock on a Friday, I think that would be advantageous, even if there isn't a lot to be said. But at least there's a there's a mechanism of communication from the ECB through through the game uh, at this time in terms of what's been discussed, rather than having a void.
1: And also, did you are most of your subs in from your members uh, by this point? Yeah, the year?
2: Uh, no, no, we just started. So uh, we'd literally, uh, I think, the Thursday, the fifth of March, we'd had a junior. You know, open evening we'd probably fifty or sixty parents turn up. So this was to launch the season. You know, and from that we then um, would we're, we're going out with subs. But you know, clearly no one's paying those at the moment, seniors and juniors. Uh, so that is a that's a challenge. I mean, that's that's probably fifteen grand a year to us. So you know, mm. these are a big a big income generators for us. And by the way, as they are for every club. So we're we're not unique uh, within mm. that regard. And um, I've spoken to one or two other chairman and colleagues and you know they're in a very similar situation
1: actually that's going to be my final question are you working together and like what kind of stuff are you talking about with other chairmen because as you say all these these are problems that clubs around the country will will all be having at the moment
2: yeah i think um i think it's just i, I guess we're we're dis- to know that you're doing the, the the things that you would normally be doing from a business perspective particularly around the financial so you know, where have you got committed costs further down that line that you can get out of? You know, have you got any commercial agreements that are going to cause you a bit of pain, and therefore, how do you look to get out of those? You know, what can you do to mitigate any non-critical expenditure? What do you do with bar stock uh, that we bought? I mean, we'd just bought—I don't know—we'd got in the cellar over a thousand pints because we'd got—I don't know—we'd got what probably ten, fifteen barrels of beer because we got so many dues coming up. But thankfully, the brewery are taking some of those back. We tried to move some of it before we sold it at cost. Um, and I think a lot of clubs are, are doing those types of things uh, on the basis of having spoken to to them. And I think then you then get a, a, a differing view in terms of um, what, are we, what are clubs doing proactively to be engaged and be there and be ready when we get back to, you know, being part of the community and being open for business. And, you know, that's very much what the forefront of our mind is, you know, when we get back to normal, you know, we want to be the place that people can come and start to get back back to a normal way of life. Um, and, you know, we're open for business and, and get yourselves down. So that's very much what we're, we're doing and mitigating, as I say, financially any damage that we can or any pain that we can by any means. Cheers, mate.
1: Thank you very much. So last week we talked about some of the great umpiring injustices that we'd seen on a cricket field. Pin sent some brilliant stories in. So this one is from Simon Finch of Barkis Land Cricket Club he said God love him but we had a club umpire who wasn't the best I was keeping wicket and our bowler bowled a ranked long hop unbelievably the batsman nicked it straight through to me huge appeal not out the decision at the end of the over I approached our umpire and asked why was that out why was that not out his reply was it was a wide When asked why he didn't give a wide then his reply was well, I couldn't give a wide given that he hit it um, <laughs> which is uh, yeah i mean that, that that's uh that's pretty extraordinary
0: yeah that's that's outstanding double think right there that's brilliant there, there, there is there is that footage kicking around on twitter though isn't there from a from a another club game where that essentially happens um and, and what's well, the opposite
1: and, and the opposite happens
0: oh no that's right yes yes of course appeal yes,
1: for an l. b. w and it smacked the guy on the and pad. it gives it a
0: wide yeah
1: if you got any more stories like that, do send them in to clubcricket at Wizen.com. Um, this week we're going to be talking about embarrassing dismissals. So, Phil, what is the most embarrassing dismissal you witnessed on the cricket field?
0: Embarrassing. I've witnessed some eccentric dismissals and some humiliating dismissals and some bloody dismissals, and I'll come to I'll come to the big Kahuna at last, I think. But um, probably the most embarrassingly brilliant, hilarious. Uh, Dismissal that I've ever seen involved my uncle Glenn. I hope he's not going to be listening. Who was playing at a club called Benfleet CC out in the out in on the south coast of of Essex, um, the east coast of Essex, rather. And he was a wicket keeper of questionable natural talent. Um, and he once affected a stumping um, by heading the stumps, it was spectacular to see. Um, Watching from a, from on the, on the sidelines, it was hard, and I was only a kid, but I knew the rules. It was hard to see how the umpire could have given it out because he broke the stumps with with his forehead. He, he sort of gathered the ball partly in his in his hands, partly under his armpit, partly in his elbow, and then proceeded to kind of collapse Mark's brother's style over himself. And he's quite a big lad. He, he remains quite a big lad in the finest of, of, of fettle, my Uncle Glenn, as he moves past 70. But anyway, he then proceeded to trip himself up, standing up to a spinner, um, and then splatter all three stumps with his forehead as well. And and somehow he still had the ball in his hand. emerged from this melee with the ball in his hand like, like Guinevere, and claimed the stumping, despite the ball clearly having... Have, uh, the stumps clearly having been broken by nothing but, but the the front of his cranium. Um, and the umpire, bless him, clearly felt sorry for, for Glenn, who was a put-upon CDT teacher for much of his life, and he, and he gave this poor batsman out. Um, I don't know what the term would be, but it was certainly headed rather than stumped. So that was spectacular, and that's, that's lived with me... Ever since I saw that one, that was back in the, uh, the late 80s.
1: Were there no complaints from the batsmen?
0: To be honest, I can't remember, and I will have to ask my Uncle Glenn, um, provided I don't give any clues that I've done this, this podcast and he listens in. I'll have, I'll have to ask him. It's spoken about uh, with glee around the, the dinner table at Christmas and all of that, but uh, I would imagine um, that the, the sense of farce overtook the, the, the rightness or otherwise of the decision.
1: Yeah, I'm Go seeing realising that there is a inherent problem with this podcast. Um, we're basically telling stories about people that we know. Um, and this next one is about one of my very, very best friends. I think you've actually met him, Phil. He came to the office last right. summer. So his name's Olly. Um, oh, a, yeah, yeah. a very naturally gifted sportsman. He's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Um, but came to cricket quite late, so he never had any coaching of any sort at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we were short... We were very short on players one summer um, when he was probably only 16. And he did a wonderful job as a stopgap opening batsman. And you could tell each game he's getting better and better. he's a very good fielder as well. And he uh, had wonderful energy as well. So great addition to the side when we were struggling. And he basically scored all his runs through the third man region. He didn't really have any other shots other than the guy's third man. But it was quite effective. He, was, mm-hmm. um, he, he liked to leave a ball, let's say. Um, he, he was never out nicking it. He was out quite regularly leaving a straight one.
0: Um,
1: we used to give him quite. You, you like
0: that, don't you? You have yeah, a lot of time I mean, for players leaving straight ones.
1: I do like it. I do like it. I mean, um, no, no difference in nicking it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, we'd give him quite a lot of um, stick for, for this. It's quite funny that he'd regularly get out in the same way. And there's one game where he actually batting quite nicely. Um, he left a straight one, and I don't know. He may he may have just had a bad week, and he had a um, he might have been hungover. Who knows? He um, leaves straight one, and then I'm um, no word of a lie. He runs off the pitch, bat in hand, and we're basically pretty sure he was crying. <laughs> so even though the dismissal itself wasn't that embarrassing, um, the way in which he conducted himself upon leaving the field of play was. Well, was quite
0: embarrassing. Yeah, the the nervous breakdown that followed the dismissal. Yeah, that that's quite impressive. The thing is, we, we've we, all of us have have moved up very close to that kind of mental breakdown, haven't we? That kind of complete implosion um, upon a, upon a dismissal. We've all gone there. Um, one that sticks in my mind. Uh, this was from a game that I was playing in, in the in the the early to mid nineties. I was playing an Essex age group game, um, and. Fielding at Backward Point was uh, um, a mildly psychopathic yet lovable character um, who now works quite high up in the Metropolitan Police (laughs) Flying Squad. (laughs) Anyway, make of that what you will. And he was fielding at Backward Point. We were playing Middlesex at Southgate CC and he was fielding at Backward Point and their batsman slashed one hard and fast to him at Backward Point and he dropped it. And you could see he was furious, and he was always furious. Um, son of a Dagnum hard man, this character. He was, he was born with rage, OK? Anyway, he drops this catch at backward point, and you could see him really ticking, really ticking. Two or three balls later, it's definitely the same over. I can picture it so well. It's certainly the same over. Another square drive, stroke, square cut from the same batsman. And this one's along the floor, bouncing to him at, at backward point. The batsman... <laughs> sorry. The batsman has run on the shot, as, as you do, right? We were 15-year-old. You run on the shot because it was such a good shot. Um, this character, who may or may not be called John, um, can't get down to it with his hands, And it's really leathered as well out the middle. The batsman's on the run. So this character, might or might not be called John, boots it with his shin, okay, middles it right off his shin bone, straight, this is all true, straight to cover point, who picks it up, sees that the batsmen have have begun running on the shot. The batsmen have seen that somehow Baker, sorry, he's not called John Baker. He's definitely not called John Baker. Baker um it's a, it's a pseudonym it's a cover-up um anyway you see that this the, the ball is suddenly flown to cover point and the batsmen are now dithering because they didn't expect this 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 geezer to get down to it at backward point they're at their middle of the pitch our, our fella picks it up at, at cover point hoses down the stumps at the keeper's end uh, and the non-striker this poor innocent non-striker's out by at least three or four yards it's absolutely beautiful Meanwhile, Baker, who may or may not be called John Baker, he is he is now seething. It, you can see the smoke coming off his head and out of his ears. He's not celebrated. He's not moved. He's not touched his shin. He is just stock still, like Bob Willis in eighty one, and we're all running and jumping on him, and he is he is immovable. He's like Cansonar after he's dinked that one against Sunderland. It is absolutely amazing sporting theatre right there. Uh, god knows what happened to his leg um or indeed what's happened to the criminal underclass of london town since he he moved into his adulthood but hey ho i think we'll we'll move along from that so so yeah that was quite a grim one but one i'll never forget
1: yeah that that is pretty grim. we've we've had um, we've had a couple sent in
0: you didn't like that one did you yeah you 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 didn't you didn't fancy that one all right fair enough fair enough i
1: did i I very much fancy that one um do you have any more well, yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to ask um, about how how the, how his leg was was because That's quite a crucial detail to the story. Yeah, would have been quite crucial at the time as well. Were you not concerned for the the state of Mister Baker's left or right shin?
0: Comedy, comedy always wins in cricket, doesn't it? The, the, the comedy wins over any personal trauma that may have been encountered. Uh, yeah, he bounced back, let's say. He was fine. But one of, one of the great dismissals I've ever seen. One, one of the most harrowingly scary moments as well I've ever seen on a cricket pitch. You got any more?
1: Uh, yeah, we had quite a few ridiculous ones sent in. So Come on then. Tom, to, Tom Earp on Facebook has sent in one saying, the best one I saw was a guy who went to pick up the ball and give it to the keeper. Only it wasn't the ball, it was a shadow of a seagull and the keeper, (laughs) who had the ball the whole time, stumped him. He's been called Siegel ever since.
0: Right, that's my my favourite. That's unimprovable. That is beautiful. So simple. That is beautiful.
1: Aaron West sent in on Twitter, playing against Wanstead, Merv Westfield bowled a Mm -hmm. back-of-the-hand slower ball. It went on the next strip, bounced twice. I proceeded to step across and try to smash it for four but somehow managed to slice it straight to short third man.
0: Well, there you go. There's hubris for you right there. Serves you right, mate. That's lovely. There's two belters there. Absolute belters. As,
1: as, as I said earlier in the show, do send them in. We'll be asking questions on our social channels quite regularly. Um, and if you want to send us a longer story, feel free to email them into club cricket at uh, Phil, you got, you got any more?
0: Well, I do have one more, but it involves myself. Um, so I'm going to tell you it's, it's hard to keep it brief, um, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, Okay, this was the the great dismissal that never was. This was the wicket that never that never happened. This this was the vanishing moment. Um, I was fielding at ex- deep extra cover on the boundary, right, and one of our lads was fielding at straightish extra cover, slightly out of my eye line. Batsman's batting, smashing it, big fella, huge fella, and they get to eighty odd for for nothing, chasing our two hundred odd, and they're winning the game basically. Anyway, this fella slices an attempted lofted drive out into the gap between extra cover and deep extra cover where I'm fielding. I'm tearing in, our extra cover is tearing out. You can see what's coming, it's Gillespie and war all over again. I dive forward, he dives backwards. I take the catch, right? So who's to blame? I've taken the catch. I think you can make your own own conclusions on that. This is where it gets awful, okay? He breaks his leg in two places on my face and he his leg smashes my jaw in three different places. So my slightly skew-whiff, yet, yet still rather ruggedly handsome face as I move into my 40s, you can see that it's, it's somewhat skew-whiff and that is a legacy of Abid's leg uh, in a crucial middle of the table Division one, twos game three years ago. Uh, emerging from the melee, um, I just had this ball in my hand, still in there, still in the right palm. I dive forward to take one of the great catches. I was expecting to be mobbed until I heard, it's his leg, it's his leg, look at his leg, it's his leg. And I turned around, obviously dazed and concussed, to see Abid's leg just flapping flapping in the wind, uh, still retained the ball, still retained the ball in my hand, despite the fact that my mouth had fallen out and turned inside out. Uh, and I was trying to, to to say to people, as Abid was carried off, and I was helped off, and the ambulance was appearing on, the, on our output, I was trying to ask the question whether the catch would still stand, even in the event of a cancelled game. And obviously with nine players, you had to cancel the game, so it was called off. But... That catch, I'm afraid, has been expunged from the record books. Um, and I, me and Abby spent that night in Romford Hospital. It was quite an emotional evening. But still I have that ball, yes. Still I have that ball, yeah. I couldn't let that ball go. That ball is, is a key part of my cricketing experience and so it re- remains on my person. Obviously
1: not quite as dramatic as that, but I remember playing in an under-14 game, club game, uh, Richmond versus Sheen, they were better than us. They were our rivals in this mini league. They were always the best team in the league, um, but we knew them quite well. So we were quite made with some of their players and we were getting absolutely destroyed in this game. T20 games, quite a small pitch. Mm-hmm. They get 150. We're 50 for five. One of our better players, Sky's one, goes straight in the air. And it's what should be quite a simple court and bowl opportunity for the bowler. But no word of a lie. The batsman is massive, by the way. He's about six foot at the age of four.
0: They always are in these stories and they get bigger with each telling.
1: <laughs> the bowler's <laughs> tiny. He was a very good cricketer, actually. Uh, I think he played uh, sorry regional stuff when he was younger. And he, he was underneath it. And the batsman basically charges straight at the bowler. Basically thinking, if I knock into him accidentally, he's got no chance I won't be given out. Um, but somehow the, the small bloke takes it and the, the batsman kind of mistimes his his charge. So the ball is taken cleanly and then properly cleans him out. Um, <laughs> it's one of the bizarre things you've seen in the production. Um Because he was out, he was out, and uh, obviously got somewhat of a bollocking afterwards.
0: Superb, superb. Every every one of these stories has has kind of elements of either gentle or violent farce attached to them. Which I think is, is, is the story of club cricket, really, up and down the land. I, I, just, I just want to add, just for, just for our listeners as well, if there's any doubt that um, Yaz puts it on, I just want to convey to you, because we're doing this over, over Zoom, um, he's, he's wearing uh, England's World Cup kit and uh, a hat from the same World Cup as well, a cap from the same World Cup. So he's in double, double garb, double World Cup garb. The,
1: the cap is actually from the under-19 World Cup in South Africa.
0: I do apologise. The, the, the hipsters, ICC-sponsored uh, cap. Yeah, um, maybe we'll do it next week in full cricketing whites for you. How about that with, with lid and the lot?
1: That, that, that Richmond team that I was in for, for, for four years was actually, I hadn't really thought about it for a long time. Probably the most fun I've ever had playing sport. Um, <laughs> we're not really in touch at the moment, but somebody tagged me in a comment on Facebook who I used to play cricket with years ago. I've not spoken to for years. I just remember that that was so much fun. Like we used to take it so seriously.
0: I, I think I, I think ne- next next time round or one of the next shows we should do and ask the readers for this, uh, the listeners for this m- moments where average players do amazing things, just do freakishly, <laughs> supernaturally brilliant things on their day or their afternoon or just in that one moment. Um, I'd be all I've got loads of those, loads of those. Do you
1: ever read Glory
0: Gardens? Yes, classics classics
1: over oh, like if he did something good that'd be the equivalent wouldn't it before we finish today's show we i, I don't know if you remember last week we were talking about like the the, the moral quandary sometimes you're, you're faced with when you're umpiring your own players
0: mm. and we got and you basically said you cheat didn't you basically not, not quite no okay all right i paraphrase
1: um so we got this story sent in from one of our listeners called tom young he said hope you're well. I'm an A&E nurse in London, just catching up with the podcast in a mad few weeks. With regards to the umpiring decisions, when I was 15, I went out to umpire. Our opening and best batsman, John, was at the crease. When he was in, he was guaranteed to hit at least 50. He was a quality player. Second ball came down, beautiful delivery, swung late, pitched in line, halfway up the pad. Caught him on the crease, loud appeal. I gave him out. Plum. He threw his bat about 20 feet in the air in disgust, swore at me and stormed off. I stayed out there for my lofted 10 overs. And when I was back into the dressing room, I was accosted and told I should never give anyone out LBW, even if they are plump. Always say, it's sliding down. He didn't talk to me (laughs) for the next three games. Um, That was a lovely message from Tom, uh, who went on to say, uh, the podcast helps loads at the moment. Can't believe we might be without cricket for a whole summer. And the final message that all our listeners should listen to Take care, stay inside, and remember to wash your hands. Stay safe and pass on my best wishes to the rest of the team. It goes without saying, Tom, that you're a hero at the moment and all your colleagues are heroes at the moment. So thank you so much uh, for everything that you're doing.
0: Well said. Bill, well said.
1: that's the end of today's show. Thanks for joining me.
0: Right, can I go back to bed now?
1: Can go back to bed. It is, uh, we're recording this on a Saturday morning. For today's show, this has been the Wisden Club Cricket Podcast in association with Nat West. If you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends, and if you're feeling particularly fine, feel free to leave us a five-star review in the podcast app. Cheers!
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.